You know, <clears throat> excuse me, over, over the recent weeks, the last, well, few weeks actually, I've been doing this message that started off with, really it was a, a, a hardcore message of hope that I titled, Yet, Y-E-T, Yes, Even Today, There Is Hope. But that's grown, and I've been, for the last two, and, and now this week, I've been speaking into this um, in a series of messages called Change for Growth and Purpose. And I, I intentionally uh, used a compass in the background of my slides because, you know, sometimes we've got we've to change our bearing. Sometimes we've got to change our setting so that our bearing, our heading is in the right direction. Because, uh, Grant, got to have your bearing right when you're a skipper of a boat, don't you, mate? You don't want to run into a sandbar or, or, or a rock or, or a, a reef. We need to have our setting. We need to have our bearing right. But uh, whilst we can use all sorts of analogies, the one I was using, I was talking about trees and particularly about the roots of trees and the strength that a tree needs in its roots for, to, for a tree to be a tree. And all through scriptures, particularly in the Old Testament, the, the, the image of trees is actually used as a significant symbol of man, of us. You know, where it says, in the trees of the field shall clap their hands. That'd be an interesting sight, wouldn't it? Actually, it's talking about us. Although in a good storm, I think the trees do, do look like they're clapping their hands. <laughs> in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, it says this, He will empower you with inner strength through His Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. There is no greater place to be anchored than in God. Now, when you think about this, by, uh, uh, what's the word? Um, Plant-wise, I was trying to think of the ology word, but I can't think of it. <laughs> Plant-wise, how would a tree grow roots into rock? Because the scripture says that Jesus is our rock. Has anyone ever actually seen all the soil washed away and seen a root structure of a tree that holds a rock? It's pretty impressive, eh? I mean, it literally... I reckon it, the, the geckos must have copied, copied tree roots because they just hang on. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants our roots to hang on to him deep in his love. I taught a lesson about how even in the winter seasons or seasons of harsh conditions that growth, growth takes place. And without some of these harsh seasons, then we would have no deep roots. And those roots would not have developed the strength and the stability to stand. Not just to withstand storms, but literally to stand. I shared about a, a science project in Arizona where they created a biosphere, wanted to, like a microcosm of the whole of the Earth's atmosphere, and the trees would get to a certain height, and then they'd just die and fall over because their root structure hadn't been tested in wind. Their roots hadn't been tested in storms, and so they had no root strength. James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. They used to, you know, they used to bake my head. I was like, God, why would I want to be happy about that? Well, after what I've been teaching, I think I get it. It says this, Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. Oh, I like that. 
Change takes place in all aspects of growth. Even in a winter season, growth takes place. And you know what? Without winter growth, we cannot have... Uh, we have got the wrong slide. That's last week's slides, Elliot. But anyway, that's what I showed last week. That is a walnut uh, sapling. And you'll notice that the root in the bottom half of that picture is almost as long as the stem at the top. And that's one season's growth. If you're going to grow up, you've got to grow down. Without the winter growth, we cannot have the life boost of spring and we cannot have the fruitfulness of summer. So, part one, we talked about time. Growth takes time. And we looked at the elements of time, transition, conditions, and decisions. And all of these require time to grow. But in that, there needs to be strategy. Everyday strategic decisions for growth and purpose are the architects of your future. Let me say that again. Everyday strategic decisions for growth and purpose are the architects of your future. You are today here because of decisions you've made yesterday. The fruit you have in your life, be it good or bad, is because of the seeds that you have sown yesterday or the day before. That was part one. Part two, which was last week, we looked at uh, things that can kill. Things that can kill our roots, protection from things that can kill. And three of the biggest root killers that there are for us, and we unpacked them last week, was impatience, isolation, and irrationality. And you know what? I think we're seeing all three of those in these current times. People are impatient to just, I don't know, get out of what they're in. But they're so afraid of what we're in, they're isolating. And when you isolate, you, you bore yourself into irrationality. And I concluded last week's message by saying this, in, through, and because of God in your life, you do not need to be impatient. You do not need to isolate, and irrational thinking does not need to harass you. So having looked at time and some things that can kill, I'm actually going to finally bring this series into land. <laughs> We're going to look at how best, how we can best be strong and healthy in our life with God, how we can build and strengthen our roots. So this part three is called spiritual root nourishment. Going to give you some good root food this morning. The answer's in the seaweed, son. <laughs> Before we go anywhere else, why don't we just pray? Come on, let's just call on the presence of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You are... So good. Father, there's nothing that can uh, duplicate. There's nothing that can replace. There is nothing that can overshadow your living presence. There's nothing that can take the place of you, our living God, and the living word of God. And so as we dig into this this morning, as we dig into you, as we look at your word, I'm asking Holy Spirit, you would come in quite a magnificent way this morning. I'm asking that you would come in such a way that whilst things that are, that are around us are real, I pray that they would not be a distraction. In Jesus' name, I take authority over every assignment and every plan of the devil that would come or try and come this morning in this place to steal away the truth of your word, to bring distraction. Lord, I declare a line of your blood protection around this entire property this morning. 
station angels to block access of anything that is not of you. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. I want to read you a story this morning that Jesus told. And this story is essentially the crux. It is the foundation of where I'm going to go today. It is in Luke chapter 13, verses 6 to 9. Luke chapter 13, verse 6 to 9. And it is the story of a fig tree. Then Jesus told this parable. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now, I have been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year and I'll dig around it and fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. Now, we can, actually, we can read this parable as a standalone story, a standalone parable, and it's pretty powerful, and you can get all sorts of thoughts around it. But if we will pause and we will take a step back, uh, I'm not going to read the verses out to you, but for the five verses before that, Jesus unpacks two very, very tragic situations where people had died, died tragically. The first one, there were a whole bunch of believers at church, just like this, worshiping, bringing sacrifices to the altar, and the Roman governor Pilate and his soldiers stormed the temple and killed them. And then Jesus tells another story of 18 people that died tragically when the tower of Siloam fell on them. And in both of those situations, the disciples and Jesus asked this question. Did they die because their sins were worse than ours? Were they the worst sinners there are? Jesus' reply in verse 5 was this, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you too will all perish. Now knowing that background, let me reread you the fig tree story. A man had a fig tree growing in his vineyard, and he went to look for fruit on it, but did not find any. So he said to the man who took care of the vineyard, for three years now I've been coming to look for fruit on this fig tree and haven't found any. Cut it down. Why should it use up the soil? Sir, the man replied, leave it alone for one more year, and I'll dig around it and I'll fertilize it. If it bears fruit next year, fine. If not, then cut it down. When I read this story, and I, I, I think we established last week that I kind of read the Bible a little bit different to a lot of other people. <laughs> but when I read this story, I am both the gardener and the fig tree. And the owner comes looking for fruit. The gardener asks the owner permission to try for one more season to dig around and fertilize the tree. And as I read this, I realize I don't just have a responsibility to care for the tree. So as a pastor, as a shepherd, I have a responsibility to care for the trees. To 
do all I can to dig around and fertilize the trees. Who wants a bit of horse poo around your feet today? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, one of my chores was to go down the paddock in the morning and milk the cow by hand. Especially in winter when I had cold feet, there's nothing more juicy than a fresh cow pat in your toes. Nice and warm and gooey. It was also very warm to snuggle up against Betsy and Milker. It was just delicious. Anyway. <laughs> but then I suddenly realized that as a gardener, if I've done all I can, the responsibility now falls to the tree to take the nutrients provided, to take the fertilizers provided, to suck it up through its roots to become healthy and fruitful or the tree's going to get cut down. You don't want to be a tree anymore. <laughs> like I said, when I put myself in this story, I am both the gardener and the tree. If you are a mum or a dad, you are a gardener and a tree. If you've got siblings, you are a gardener and a tree. I find myself deeply concerned in this Especially with where we've been going, it's just like it's all very well for me to preach hope, 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 hope. But actually, I gotta, I gotta bring a bit of manure here. <laughs> I gotta dig around a little bit and get some fertilizer in around the roots. And then I read Hebrews five, twelve through fourteen, and I'm gonna read it to you out of the Passion Translation. It says, "For you should already be professors, instructing others by now." But instead, you need to be taught from the beginning the basics of God's prophetic oracles. You're like children still needing milk and not ready to digest solid food. For every spiritual infant who, looks, who lives on milk is not yet pierced by the revelation of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature whose spiritual senses perceive heavenly matters. And they have been adequately trained by what they've experienced to emerge with understanding of the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. There is a lot of tension in the air these days. Are we living in the end times? Is the beast arriving soon? Is the mark going to be issued soon? Can I just, can I just put something out there this morning? It's going to happen. <laughs> it's in the word of God. It's going to happen. So let's not lose our sanity and step into irrationality, worrying about what we already know is going to happen. Let's live our lives today, prepared that Jesus could return today. But let's operate in a way that he's not going to come for another five or six years. Because there's still people who need to meet him. We've got two jobs on earth. One is to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and the other is to be light and salt to those who don't yet know him. Hallelujah. When we arrive in heaven, we won't have one of those to do. I have this naughty thought that if I'm aware when the rapture happens, I'm going to grab a dozen sinners in each hand, and at 40,000 feet, I'm going to go, do you want Jesus? <laughs> 
you know, it's probably, it's probably utterly untheological and biblically incorrect, but it is a fun thought to have. <laughs> like I said, it's a little bit naughty. But I got asked just recently, as, as your leadership of your church has progressed throughout the years, have you found what you do or how you speak changing? And I came to a realization that as I get a bit older and I'm a bit longer in my, in my role as a pastor, that I've got to be a little bit more dad to some people. And I really, if I can, with love and grace this morning, can I just put out, come on guys, it's time to grow up. It's time to flip and grow up. Stop asking mama for the bottle and get a good T-bone steak between your teeth, for goodness sake. Okay. I feel so I feel so honored that you still love me. The emails this week might prove otherwise. But anyway. So we're looking into spiritual nourishment this morning. How do we make our spirit, how do we make our soul fed and healthy and keep it fed and healthy? How do we move from our continual need of milk? To the point where we can, what's the scripture say? We are adequately trained, being able to perceive heavenly matters, experienced to emerge with understanding the difference between what is truly excellent and what is evil and harmful. How do we get there? 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped Thoroughly equipped. I like that word. It's a grunty word. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. On Friday morning in my devotion time, I watched a short video clip of Pastor Rick Warren from Saddleback Community Church in America, probably more famously known as the author of The Purpose Driven Life. And he took the scripture and he unpacked it and I loved it. So I'm going to, this is a quote unquote Pastor Rick, okay? This is not me, but this is how he did it. The scriptures are good for teaching. They show us what path to take. The scriptures are good for rebuking. They show us when we've wandered off the path. The scriptures are good for correcting. They show us how to get back on the path. And the scriptures are good for training. They show us how to stay on the path. <laughs> I just thought, you can't improve on that. So I just cut and pasted it straight into my notes. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Rick. You know, get this, at the time that the Apostle Paul was writing this, he was at impending execution date. Like he knew he was about to be executed. And so he wrote to Timothy, his young protege, and he wrote this to him. And the summary of every hard lesson that he had had, the Apostle Paul had had, and he was trying to save Timothy from those hard lessons. And there's no more profound way than concluding it like this. Everything you need for your walk with Christ can be found in God's word. Psalm 119, verse 105, very, very famous, quoted on and on and on. The word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I love this verse. Every time I read it, every time I hear it, I am immediately grateful for the word of God. The word is a lamp to my feet. That means it's right here. 
right here, right up my grill, picking the bugs out. It's right at my feet, right in front of me. The light of God, the lamp of the word of God is going to go, step there, you're stepping in something. (laughs) Step there, you are stepping in a hole. Step there, you are stepping off a cliff. Step there, you're walking in my purpose and my calling. The word is a lamp. It's right here in front of us. But it doesn't stop there. The word is a light to my path. He will show me where to step next, and he'll give me a glimpse of where I'm going. It's right there, guys. It's right there. The more time we spend in the pages of the Bible studying it and looking for ways to apply it to our lives, the better prepared we will be to make wise decisions along the way. Proverbs 3, verse 5 five and 6, you know, I was never, ever grateful for the disciplining my dad gave me when I was a kid, but this one Bible verse is one he disciplined into my backside, <laughs> because he taught me to be able to quote it, and when I didn't quote it right, I got, Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Oh, I tell you what, I have tested that. (laughs) I want to read it to you out of the Passion Translation now. Trust in the Lord completely and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make make. It's a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. If you don't like God getting up in your grill and picking the bugs out, stop wandering into bug fields. If there's one thing the light of God doesn't do, it doesn't attract bugs. It just points you in the right way. The bugs come anyway. Carrying on, it says, become intimate with him in whatever you do, and he will lead you wherever you go. Become intimate. Think what that word means. Become intimate. Yes, one of the meanings is skin on skin, mums and dads. Intimacy. So close you are naked with each other. Intimacy with God, that's a whole nother level. That's like your heart is naked before God. And if we will become intimate with him in whatever we do, he will lead us wherever we go. The Apostle Paul wrote two letters to the people in Corinth. One of his letters describes the Christian life as a long-run race, a lifelong race. One that requires every bit of our strength, every bit of our discipline and endurance that we possess. And that analogy, we need to look at the Bible as both a table of nourishment, but also a training manual. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4 says this, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Let the word of God feed you. One of, the, one of my favorite scriptures is um, in the Old Testament, when God gives, I'm pretty sure it was Ezekiel, He says, take this scroll and eat it. 
And it says, when, as, as, as he ate the scroll that was give him, given him, it tasted like sweet honey in his mouth. My dad used to keep bees. One of the best times of the year was extraction season. And he'd get the, the frames out of the supers, the boxes out of the hive, and he'd had an electric knife, and he'd cut all the capping off the honey. You know, bees do not cap the honeycomb until they are sure that the honey is pure. And he would cut it off with a knife, and, and, we, and then he'd put it in the spinner, and we'd, we'd um, use circumferential force to spin the honey out of the honeycomb. But we were, as kids, we would dig into the bowl, and, and we had honeycomb chewing gum. You know, we just big, big gobfuls of wax full of honey down here. And it was just the best time. It was one time we were, mum was completely happy for us to be on a total sugar high. <laughs> it was honey extraction season. But that's what the word of God should be like. You should get your word and, and, and you should sit there and you should get two great big handsfuls and let it drip down your chin and drip down your arm and have a gobful of the word of God. And let it taste sweet like honey and let it run down your chin. Like I said, I think I've established I read the Bible differently. <laughs> but then it goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 27a, the first part, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. You are not going to be able to read your Bible every day unless you discipline yourself. It takes discipline. And you know, one of the things that I love, and I'm going to touch on this in a little bit, is in the Uvision app, I, I love stats. And in the Uvision app, it, it's got, this, it's got this, these rolling numbers that tells you how many days you, you've, uh, you've gone in a row, in a row how, you know, the, the streak of, of continual days you've been reading, but it also tells you how many perfect weeks you've done. And you know, the bigger that number gets, it's like, I can't break this now. I can't break this now. I need it to keep going. But you know what it's done? It's, it's created in me now that when I wake up in the morning, if I don't grab a coffee and grab my Bible or grab my iPad because it's on my iPad, I, it's, it's like there's something doesn't start right about my day. God's word shows us how faith and actions work together to propel us forward. It traces the connection between tribulation and perseverance, character, and hope. We can find inspiration in the stories of Joseph, Esther, Job, Daniel. But guess what? Likewise, we can learn the huge lessons of the mistakes like Moses, Samson, David, and Peter. I love the fact that some of the heroes in the Bible made bigger mistakes than me. <laughs> I shouldn't actually, but it does give me hope. <laughs> As in the case of any tool or any weapon or any resource that you have, the more we know about God's word, the more effectively we'll be able to use it when we need it. When the devil comes and says, da, 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 you can go, it is written. That's why Jesus calls us to equip ourselves. Psalm 119 verse 11, the psalmist says, your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The psalmist immersed himself in the scriptures so deeply that, get this, he could draw on it from within. Draw on it from within. Yes, there are times when we need to reach out and we need to get help from others. But what does God say about what you're going through? Have you actually bothered to ask him? 
Or have you not asked him because you actually have an idea what he's going to say and you don't want to agree with what he's going to say? So hopefully by asking a hundred different other people, you're going to find someone who agrees with you so then you don't need to talk to God? It happens. I have a friend who was in business and his business is in trouble and he went to a handful, I mean like a big handful of, of business people who were very good, very astute, very practical, absolutely knew what to do, gave him all these keys on how to turn his business around. He ignored everyone until he found someone who agreed with him. Guess what? He is not in business anymore. He went bankrupt. And I think people treat God like that. The kind of nourishing and equipping that we should aim for is so that we can draw from within first. I started this whole series using the example of trees. Last week, I spoke of a tree standing alone, exposed to every element and growing its growth stunted and misshapen because it was having to face everything on its own. Just on Tuesday this week, has anyone else used the word for today as, one of, as part of their daily devotional? Tuesday this week was perfect. We need each other. 3rd of, 11, 3rd of November, 2021, Romans, 12b, 1, Romans chapter 1, verse 12b. Your faith will help me. My faith will help you. This is what it said. Next time you walk in the woods, stop and think about what's taking place right under your feet. As the roots of the trees connect with each other, they form a support system. One has access to water, another to nutrients, another to sunlight. No single tree has it all. But together they can grow, thrive, and withstand the storms of life. That's church! That's connect groups! That's youth group! That's children's... That's church! Ephesians 4, verses 15 through 16. I don't think I made a slide for this one. I can't remember. But anyway, it says, Then we will grow in every way and become more like Christ, the head of the body. Christ holds it together and makes all of its parts work perfectly as it grows and becomes strong because of love. You know what? Yes, we need to learn to pray and to feed ourselves regularly. Yes, we do. Be a responsible tree. But you know what? Meals are best shared. Meals are best shared with others. In preparing and delivering this series of messages, I have asked myself over and over and over, what can we provide to help people? Is there something that I can lead people to where they can find things that are specific to where they are right now, the seasons that you're in right now, things that you can reach out and latch on to that will help you with the situations you're, you're in now, prepare you for life ahead. There are two things. One of them, I've often spoken about this and I've already touched on it this morning, is the YouVision Bible app. If you've, got a, if you've got a smartphone, if you've got a tablet, if you've got a computer, you can download this app. It is free. In actual fact, there's a countdown happening right now. They are so close to 500 million downloads. The Life Church, uh, Pastor Craig Grishel in America, they, they developed this and they gave it to the world free. I have used this extensively for myself. I have grown in my love for the Word of God and the depth of what's in it. There are, there are resources uncountable on there. 
If you're going through something, you can type in the search bar and you can find a whole list of devotions that speak right into that situation. And you can read it. There are video clips on it, but it's predominantly read or audio. If you're not a big reader, then you can Bluetooth it or cable it to your headphones and you can work all down the garden and listen to the scriptures read to you. Even the devotions, there's audio tracks for the devotions if you're not a reader. This app is, is it's the bomb. Use it. Here's yeah, some fertilizer. <laughs> dig, 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 dig. Okay, that's the first one. The second one you guys won't know about because this one's brand new. Elam New Zealand has recently been offered an unbelievable deal for a monthly subscription to a thing called Right Now Media. Um, and on this, uh, on this platform, as you can see, our church's Bible study library is now digital and gigantic. There are over 20,000 discipleship videos for kids, for youth, for adults. There are full conference sessions. There are deep dive Bible study sessions. And it is amazing. Watch this video. As a church, we have... Uh, bought into the, the corporate subscription deal that Elam has been given. And so this week, uh, in the email, you will receive a link that looks like this. You can please put that up, Elliot. That'd be amazing. It's going to look like this. If you will click on that link and you will follow it through, you can create your own account under our church absolutely free. And you can share that link with every member of your family. I asked the, uh, I asked the, um, the Australasian uh, manager of this, her name's Christy, we've had a couple of Zooms, and I said, how big can I let this go? Because like, I, I want this to go. She goes, have you got 10,000 in your church? And I was like, not yet. Okay, she said. <laughs> so share it with your family, share it with your brothers, share it with your sisters, share it with your aunts and your uncles, your mums and your dads. There's an opportunity that when you look at you and go, oh, I have no idea where to start. You know what? Just click on one. Just click on one. The responsibility of growth can only go so far by relying on others. I want to wrap this up this morning in saying this. We have been given so many blessings. Honestly, we are overwhelmingly rich and overwhelmingly privileged. We have the Bible. <laughs> the whole thing. In multiple translations. We've got our church community. Just take a look around. We get to hang out with you. We've got our connect groups. We've got our youth groups. We've got our children's programs. We've got our school. We've got the availability of resource online. There is no excuse to be a fruitless fig tree. There is no excuse to be a fruitless fig tree. I'm going to stop shoveling the fertilizer now. <laughs> Come on, guys. God. The very, very first command that God gave us in the Bible was be fruitful and multiply. 
And we're not going to be fruitful if we starve ourselves. You'll have a little bit of growth if you rely on others all the time. But that will basically just mean you're going to exist in your salvation with God. You're robbing yourself of being everything God wants you to be. You're robbing yourself of everything God has called you to be. Please do not be fruitless fig trees. I just want to speak to those of you who are joining us online now. If you are joining us from another city or even another nation, and, uh, and you, know, you essentially treat Elam Christian Center Blenheim here as your home, then I would like you to get onto the chat bar now. Yaku is our host this morning. Yaku, if you would please put up the um, Connect card, the virtual Connect card on there. We would love to offer this to you as well. This is not just for here in Blenheim. This is for you. If, if this is your home, this is your spiritual home, you are whānau. If you're from another country, that's the Māori word for community, for family, extended family. You are whānau. And so we want to offer this to you as well. But guys... I just I, can I just one little bit more, Dad? Would you do your homework? <laughs> Please, would you pick your Bibles up? Would you connect with God in such a deep and a personal way and let His Holy Spirit transform your lives?